This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Neil Wallace Bruce, aka NWB, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Durand, otherwise known as Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Fantastic, buddy. We got one of Canada's biggest sports online today. There we go. We got Canada's game today, hockey, the the game on ice, and we have a special guest. He is the head coach of the Toronto Six in the Premier Hockey Federation. He's also been around hockey circles for a number of years, so coaching is it's it's his life. It's the one and only Mark Joslin. Mark, how's it going? It's going very good. Thank you. Thanks for uh thanks for having me on. I uh, love what you guys do and uh, glad to be a part of it. We appreciate that. Now Mark, you've you've been around Ontario hockey circles for a while, but now you filled the big shoes of the former coach who's now the president, Digit Murphy. Today is actually a birthday, by the way, so don't forget that. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> uh, I'm just keeping you in the good graces, my man. But talk us about that, how you became head coach of the Toronto Six. Chris Van Stone is the, uh, I believe he's the assistant commissioner to the OJHL, the Ontario Junior Hockey League, and I was involved for about 18 years. So very good friends and whatnot, and um, I wasn't going back to my Toronto Patriots team as head coach and GM, so I was kind of in limbo and just working on my my Jaws Elite Hockey training uh, skill stuff. And uh, I got a call uh, from Digit Murphy, uh, I guess through Chris. Um, I'm assuming that they might have spoke. She said that she was looking for a male head coach. I think Chris might have thrown my name in there. We started the process and then the COVID thing got in the way, so nothing transpired. Um, and then Digit reached out again uh, sometime in the summer and... Voila, here I am, and uh, it's uh, it's great to be a part of that, for sure. I love it. Excellent. And it's not just yourself. You're leading the coaching team in a way because you, you also brought along Angela James, who I believe you've worked with before, and she's a, she's a Hall of Famer, and she's by your side. Take us through that. Take us through your relationship with Angela James and how you're able to bring her on board with the Six. I think Angela and I have known each other 37 years. We went to school together, Seneca College, um, we took recreation uh, facilities management together. She played on the women's varsity team. I played on the men's varsity team. We had a great relationship, good friends, stayed connected in uh, all those years. Obviously, she took a different path than I. And basically, when uh, I got hired by Digit and the T6 uh, ownership group, basically said that I needed to, uh, I was responsible for hiring a, an equipment manager and an assistant coach, which they preferred would be female. For obvious reasons, I reached out to Angela immediately. It was a no-brainer for me. 
I was willing and ready to beg her if I needed to. And I said, you know what, AJ, uh, we got a chance here to make some history and, and uh, work together. I'd love to have you by my side. And she needed a day to think about it and talk to family and whatnot and came back and said, you know what, Jazzy, that's my nickname. She said, I'm in, let's do this and make history. So I thank God that she accepted and uh, our chemistry is, is fantastic together. And we're having a, we're having a, a blast doing it. There we go. And you're having a blast. The, the Sixers started off with a blast. It's currently three and two. So a winning start to the season. Uh, Mark, I looked over your resume, which is pretty extensive. You've coached the majority of top minor league teams and that in Ontario and even some outside of that. Have you ever coached a women's team before? I believe not, correct? Um, I helped out. I worked with a, with a Toronto uh, girls team. I think they were Bantam, so 14, 15-year-olds, double A, so, you know, high level. They hired me to run skills practices and whatnot, and I uh, had a good connection with the girls. I was coaching junior A at the time. They carted me to go on the bench when I didn't have conflict. So I have coached, I haven't coached pro level women, just younger age, but I've worked with, uh, I've done skills with a lot of high end uh, women through uh, Adrian Lamonico, a friend of mine, Journey to Excel, would uh, hire me sometimes, work with some of his elite women. Laura Stacy plays on the uh, Canadian Olympic team. She's one name that you guys might know, but there's several others that, uh, you know, I, I worked in the summer, keep them in shape, keep them going, keep their hands going and work with them. So coaching uh, at the pro level with women, no, but skills training and being on the ice with them, absolutely. Now, are there any additional sort of difficulties or challenges you have to deal with when it comes to cho- coaching the women or no? Uh, no, I was I was told my, my niece, Jamie Jawsom, uh played uh, Robert Morris University Division One scholarship, very good hockey player, kind of uh, reached out to her and asked her for some insight. And she said, Uncle Mark, just be yourself, challenge them, make them accountable. You know, so I, I've, I've lived by that. Uh, the difference between men and women, in my opinion, is, first of all, all these women that I'm coaching are very highly educated. They've all got scholarship opportunities and great education. So with the boys hockey at the junior level and above, basically tell them what you want, tell them a system, and they go and do it. With women, sometimes you tell them a system with these girls, you know, if I change a four check, for example, you know, from a two one two to a one three one, they'll ask, they'll do it, but they'll ask why. So uh, they're highly educated, they're smarter, <laughs> and they want answers on why we're doing this, coach, why we're doing that. And I was actually warned about that from Digit and others. But it, you know what? It, it makes me accountable, and I believe it's made me a better coach by explaining why we're doing what we're doing. So the chemistry between the girls and myself has been has been very good early on here. Now, you've developed a system of working on individual hockey player skills through your Joslin Elite Hockey. How is your position with the PHF now, the Toronto Six, as the coach, infringing on that? Do you have the opportunity to do both still? Yes, I do. I, um, I work at Everest Academy. It's an it's a, it's a educational program with a hockey, uh, hockey incorporated. The kids are on the ice four days a week. So I'm working with the uh, the high school boys program and the high school girls program. So I'm still doing that, and I do some privates. Um, I was actually on the ice this morning with uh, some 12-year-olds, two or three kids, uh, seven this morning. I still do the jaws and the stuff, and I'm hoping that uh, being connected in the PHF now will open up some doors with some elite uh, female hockey players for me come summer in the off season. But uh, 
No, I'm still able to do both, but obviously my main focus is the uh, is the Toronto Six right now. Excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I had a quick look at the the elite hockey program that you run, and it's extensive. The levels of hockey that you've been involved with, and I feel like there's a real opportunity for for you not only as a coach but also as the as director of this program to really tap into the women's game and to help it develop because, as we all know, it's a great game, but it needs resources. It needs people like yourself to to help to um help to grow. So, would you look at maybe coaching international players as well in the off season, or would you just stick to Canadian players? Uh, I would I would do whatever it takes. I mean, I I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. I think women's hockey is going in the right direction, timing wise for me in my career and timing wise where the PHF and women's hockey is going. The timing is absolutely perfect for me so i mean i'm gearing towards 100 percent of my um commitment to to the game angela james and myself are trying to you know amalgamate and and make it you know the best league it can be and like you said resource wise and whatnot and and, and sponsorship and and support you know if if we dedicate ourselves to it i believe it'll get to where it needs to go and and that means these girls getting rewarded a little more financially and whatnot for the services they provide because they're fantastic hockey players great athletes and like i said very educated women so we're trying to make it the best it can be and if we can if we can do the amalgamation and whatnot i think uh i think you're going to see an incredible product on the ice awesome now one thing that we did have an interview with uh, Digit earlier in the year, and one thing that she mentioned was that ladies who've played sports often make great leaders, especially in the boardroom and as executives. How important is it that we keep girls in the game and playing hockey? Well, somebody like Digit, she's a she's an incredible advocate of, of women's sports in general. Um, obviously played hockey and coached hockey herself, so that's her, her mainstay, but... Uh, equality and whatnot, inclusion with women in, in sports. We need people that have played at the highest level and coached at the highest level like herself to advocate the league. And then, you know, bring in, bring in some people like myself, um, you know, to help. If, if you buy in and you understand, you know, and you believe, you believe in the, in the system, you know, you believe in where it's going and where it can go, then, you know, you've got a great fit on all sides. So, you know, I believe that we need women running this program, the league, you know, Ty and others, they, they do a great job with this league and promoting and, and giving these girls recognition they deserve. And I believe in it. I mean, I'm passionate about what I do, obviously, in, in the hockey world, but I believe in the women's program and where it's going. So I think timing wise, it was, you know, Digit's pretty happy with, uh, with what I've already brought. And, you know, we work well together. And we're both passionate and twenty four seven with this league in the T six, so it's uh, so far so good. That's for sure. There we go. There we go. And if you're listening in the US, you can find the Toronto Six games on ESPN Plus. If you're in Canada, the games are on Twitch and TSN Direct. And if you're in Toronto, get to the Canland Sports Arena and watch a game. How excited are you to have the All Star competition happening here at our home arena? You know what? I, I can't believe that uh, Digit had mentioned that there's a possibility. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be fantastic. I mean, it, it's, again, the PHF, it's it, it's a great league. It's going in the right direction. But being only one Canadian team, I think it's incredible exposure. One, for Canlan Sports, the arena itself. Two, for 
hockey in Canada and three for the Toronto Six because I'm sure it'll be a sold-out barn like we had in our home opener on the Saturday, you know, well over a 1,000 people. You know, there's five American teams, so the U.S., and they get the ESPN coverage like you guys said. You know, there's lots of exposure there. So now we're starting to get a little exposure here in Canada, and having that all-star game, I think, is just going to get that to the next level for everybody. So it's it's an incredible opportunity for for Canada and uh, definitely for the Toronto Six being the only Canadian team. Now, we've been fans since the, well, since last year, basically, since the inaugural season of the Toronto Six. The league's been in operation for another five years or so on top of that. You've only had the opportunity to go and play in a couple of different cities in the States, but what's the uh, what's the response like at those arenas? Well, the atmosphere in Buffalo, our first game, small arena, but it was fantastic. You know, great support. You know, girls out there signing autographs after the game. Boston, same thing. Great facility. The Boston Bruins practice facility. Great crowds, both games. Obviously, the Saturday night game, 2-1 shootout was was fantastic. But uh, I've heard that most of the uh, places in the States have, have great support. And, and I believe that we will moving forward. You know, we're out there promoting the team and the game and whatnot. So I, I think everywhere we go, it's it's getting better and better. And, and uh, you know, I love going to the arena and see the girls in warm-up. And the fans are, already, you know, the, the stands are almost full already during a warm-up. The game hasn't even started. So it's, uh, like I said, I think timing-wise, the league's going in the right direction. And it's fun to pull up in the, in the bus and unload your stuff and see people already standing outside. And how has it been for you? How have you enjoyed being the coach so far? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's, um, you know, again, these girls are, they're mature, they're educated, they're passionate. You know, I'm amazed. I've told a couple of friends that I've worked with over the years in men's hockey, I'll show a drill on the board. And I might have to do it two or three times. And with these guys, I've, I've given them new drill after new drill. And I, I show it once on the board and boom, they go and execute. So <laughs> I have an ongoing joke with the girls. I went around the room when we first met everybody and finally had a full team at a practice and Angela and myself and said, you know, go around the room, tell us, uh, tell us where you played. And, you know, you got Quinnipiac, you got Yale, you've got Brown, you've got uh, Princeton and so on and so on. And I said, well, Angela's in the Hall of Fame. I said, I went to Harvard because I took one of my minor hockey teams years ago to a, an NCAA weekend, went to Harvard and Yale to watch a couple of games and, and promote the NCAA part of hockey. So I was there for a couple hours. So I tell all the girls I went to Harvard. <laughs> they actually bought me a hat this past weekend. Uh, Angela and Christy Clark, our GM, they went on a little uh, walk on Saturday when we had some downtime. And went and did some shopping and bought me a Harvard hat and said, now it's official. You did go to Harvard. And uh, we've got an ongoing joke with the girls. So it's amazing to be uh, to be a part of all these, uh, you know, educated, proud women. And they've accepted me, I believe, with open arms. And, you know, my delivery and my, uh, my knowledge and experience and whatnot. So we've started really good. Not great, but we've started really good. And I think that, you know, we're only going to get better here as we go on. So I think we've... I think we're on the map in the U.S. as a team and an organization. I think people are starting to talk about us a little bit. So that's a good thing five games in. Now, I mean, hockey in Toronto, it's synonymous, right? I mean, I'm looking at some of the, the players you've had a pleasure of training and coaching in the past. And you got Mitch Marner. Awesome. You've got Connor McDavid as someone that you've worked with. Like you've worked with some of the most recognizable professional hockey players, period. 
what are the challenges now going forward for not only the Toronto Six, but sort of any team that wants to to establish themselves in Canada? I mean, we're hoping to get expansion here, obviously. When it comes to building a market in Canada that already has such a great one for hockey, although it's on the men's side, what are the challenges of building that same market on the women's side? I think it's just marketing. I think it's just marketing and getting some high-end sponsorship support. The more uh, financial support we have, the more we can promote the women's game in Canada. Like you said, men, it's already established. That'll never go away. It's Canada's sport. But, you know, I think if you look at the registration of minor hockey, you know, male and female, there's a ton, a ton of girls playing hockey. Uh, the North York Storm, for example, an organization probably from minor Adam right up to junior, they play out of Canlan, York as well. And I mean, there's so many teams. So the registration is there. I just think it's the, you know, the marketing and the financial support for women's hockey to, to get it up even a higher level where it is. I mean, you look at the, the Olympic program, you know, Canada, U.S. rival in women's hockey is one of the best. And, you know, if we keep getting the, uh, the support and the marketing um, for the women's program at younger ages, there's girls that want to play at this high level that we're at now. And that's, you know, that's what we got to keep driving into people and keep supporting the younger, the younger kids and those programs. So that's where we need the, the marketing part and the financial security kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, I believe with the resources, potential resources, I think that we'll be fine. How huge is it for a couple like Athleta to get involved and support the six? Oh, it's outstanding. It's outstanding for them. Outstanding for us. It's a great partnership. And uh, we're excited and, and lucky to have that opportunity with them. And I mean, they're, you know, bigger and better things to come with them as well. I mean, we've started off great with them. But I, I think there's a there's a lot of growth there. And I think that's going to be a long time uh, partnership there, which is pretty exciting. No, that's excellent. When I saw that announced, I was like, this is exactly where it has to go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, it's going to go from bigger to better. Good, it's going from good to great. My question is this, Mark, because representation is important, not only for women's hockey, but also for people of color in hockey. Now, as I look at it, you're one of the few professional head coaches that is that is a person of color, that is black as well. I believe um, there was, who was it? I, I think Dirk Graham was the first black coach in NHL back in 98, 99. So you're blazing a trail in the same way that when girls go to watch the PHF, they're seeing people like them and can aspire to also go onto the ice. It's also important that someone like yourself and Angela, they're also behind the bench and people can aspire to, to be coaches one day. What can we do to get more people of color involved in coaching in hockey? I think it's just promotion. I think it's, I think it's people you know, fighting for that opportunity in the sense that believing that they can, they can help regardless of their race. Recognition is, is one thing, but opportunity is another. I'm incredibly proud of my heritage. My mom, Black American, born and raised in Pittsburgh, and her family actually moved to Richmond Hill, where I still live. I've been here my whole life. You know, moved here in 1950, I believe it was 58. They were the first black family to, to move into Richmond Hill. And so things were different, you know, in the early 60s when I was when I was a kid. But but now I, I think that, you know, people that have a passion for something, regardless of their race, you know, work hard and believe in yourself and, and, and strive for forcing that opportunity for yourself if that's what has to happen. So, I mean, it's it's great for the game. 
you know, at all levels, NHL and down, people are getting opportunities now. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that as well. Awesome. If you don't mind me asking, you've been in hockey for 30, 40 years, at least it's yep. been your life. If you don't mind me asking, have you personally as a player or coach, did you ever encounter racism or discrimination in the game? As a player, I did. So I'm 57 years old now. When I was playing minor hockey in the, uh, in the early 70s, mid 70s, you know, playing AAA hockey in Richmond Hill, definitely had some, some issues, you know, people uh, during the game, heat of the moment, use the N word. So my mother, my mother is uh, black. My father's white. So we had incredible support and love from everybody involved. You know, my mom and dad brought us up in the, in the sense that fight through this, believe in who you are, remember where you came from, you know, all those kinds of things. So anytime it did happen to me or my two, I have an older and younger brother and it happened to all of us. In coaching, it's never happened to me, never. As a player in the younger years, absolutely it did. Junior hockey, it did. Seneca College uh, varsity hockey, I believe it did as well. But again, the love and support I had from my mom and dad and the understanding of mixed marriage and stuff like that. It was Angela James, same thing. Her, her dad's black, her mom's white. She went through it as well because we've talked about it on bus trips and plane trips. But uh, I've never had any issues as a coach, but I definitely had racism as a player in my younger years. We appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. No problem. This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. One of the things that's kind of holding back the PHF or one of the, the real challenges they have to deal with is a group that was organized called the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, which has effectively created a membership sort of boycotting the PHF. And these are players who would potentially be on teams if not for that. And it's based around sort of fair practices, fair pay. Now, you got to play against uh, Kaylee Flanagan this yes. past weekend, who was on the 2018 uh, Olympic winning team with the United States. And Normally, she would be part of that group, but she's chosen to go this route. Do you expect more of them to start sort of crossing over as things improve with the PHF? Because they have improved dramatically even over the last year. Absolutely, I do. I think it's, I mean, she's a great player, very good person um, from what I've been told. I think it's a huge step for the PHF, somebody of her stature coming to our league. I think there's some peer pressure uh, for whatever reason. Angela James is a big advocate, obviously the PHF, or she wouldn't be on board with us. Yep. Um, so she's trying to she's trying to help get rid of that disconnect because if she does, we'll have an incredible product on the ice if uh, that happens. So I'm I'm expecting you know possibly just before the Olympics or just after the Olympics. I'm hoping something happens because um, I believe we'll get a ton of support and sponsorship through NHL and other different uh governing boards and all that kind of stuff so i think it's 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 great but for flanagan to come uh she's born and raised in boston i believe she played at one of the universities in boston as well yeah boston college yeah so i mean it, it's it's great for the league they're they're a very good team she makes them even better but it makes our league better and and like you said her her stepping in you know i hope others follow because uh 
we obviously want the best product on the ice that we can have for everybody, for all the organizations, all six teams in the league, you know, and like you said, expansion, hopefully in the next year or two. So if we can get that amalgamation, it would be, it would be outstanding because that's what you want, right? The NHL is the best of the best and uh, we want the PHF to be the best of the best. I'm glad you mentioned the NHL because how, how important is it for them to get involved and help support this particular league? Oh, it's huge. I mean, this is new to me, obviously, first year in the league, but uh, I've been told by some uh, different resources that the NHL is is 100% going to get involved financially in supporting if we have that amalgamation and whatnot. So, I mean, it's, to me, it's a no-brainer, but it would, you know, to have the support of the NHL would be the last stepping stone that would be needed to, you know, to let this soar into new heights and, and uh, perfection. Yeah, I for me personally, I mean, of course, born in Canada, hockey's huge, always followed yep. hockey. It's great to have the success at the Olympic level, but basically you're developing stars and then you're losing that brightness that they create. Having the PHF, having something for them to go to after the Olympics, I think is just phenomenal. And it, it keeps them in the limelight and it keeps the spotlight on women's hockey. So I'm hoping they can get over this and come to some sort of an agreement to get them to start really getting involved and playing at the professional level. Well, you're 100% bang on because again, if we get, if we get, you know, new franchises coming in, we'd have more games and, you know, you could take a break, the Olympic year, you could take a break like the NHL does, have a break in the schedule. And like you said, that light that's shining on the league will never dim down because you've got, even when you've got the break in the league, everybody's watching the Olympic team and then boom, they go back to their club teams and, and everything starts up again. So it'd be, it'd be a lot more like the NHL, which would be unbelievable. The only thing that this league needs. Correct. I, I'm just hoping that's the case, man, because as soon as we started watching, honestly, I was an instant fan. I love the hockey. I love the open ice play. Oh, yeah. It's a great product, and I hope more people get involved. These women are a lot more skilled than people, uh, you know, than people know. I uh, Damn right. I wasn't aware. I mean, I've watched a lot of hockey, and I watch a lot of game tape, but I wasn't aware of how good and skilled they actually are until I got on the ice with them and started running practices and whatnot. So it's pretty amazing. A great example, honestly, was uh, the goal by Emma Woods on Saturday. <laughs> was ridiculous. I, I, I told her, I said, "That's like you know, Sports Center highlight of the night kind of <laughs> kind of goal." It was I, absolutely I, ridiculous. Like you could picture the top players in the NHL doing the same thing. I watch hockey every day. I have the NHL package. I have the OHL package. I watch American League because I have a bunch of kids that I train that are playing in the American League. And I watch highlights every single day, seven days a week. And I hope that that goal makes top 10 for a long time because I've seen some incredible stuff. Obviously, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, some of the goals they've scored. That's right. But for female hockey, and again... Even men's hockey, that is one of the best goals I've ever, ever seen. We we were all amazed. We watched it the next day, part of our video program and whatnot, and everybody was just – it was a great high for the whole team. Everybody hooting and hollering for us. So it was, it was fun to be a part of, that's for sure. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, and I think that's something that – there's something to be said about that because at the end of the day, the PHF is essentially some of the best female hockey players in the world. I know that there is that current – chasm between the phf and the the other mob yes there's that divide but what i'm trying to say is that this is the highest level i think people people miss that this is the highest level of um hockey it's the best women playing in the world and i think that's the story that needs to be told more often 100 percent. so 
staying within that vein, do you have any nuggets or do you, can you tell our audience about what they can expect at the All-Star Showcase in January? Uh, the details are, are uh, just getting worked out. But what I've been told, and I don't know everything, but I believe they're going to pick, the league's going to pick three captains. Okay. I think the league executive is going to pick three captains that'll captain one team each. And then I believe coaches are going to pick two or three players in a, um, that they believe are worthy. And then the rest of them is going to be picked by fans and players within the league. And they're going to be small teams, I believe, of 10. And they're going to play mini games, I think, one period. And every game, there's going to be a shootout, obviously, for uh, for the excitement part for the fans. Yeah. And I think all the goals count, and then there'll be a you know a, a championship team. But I, all, all I know is that the uh, the voting will be you know the coaches have a little say, but they want the fans and the players in the league supporting each other and advocating you know teammates, friends, rivals, um, and try and get the uh, the best of the best there. So it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of excitement. It won't be. It'll probably be a nightmare for goaltenders because it's not going to be tight checking. And it's going to be a lot of offense, but that's what that's what the fans that's what the fans want, I'm sure. So maybe a nightmare for goaltenders, but everybody else is going to have a great time uh, being a part of it. So I'm I'm grateful that it's 15 minutes from my house, and that I get to be there and watch it and and uh, be a part of it because I think it's pretty exciting, first time ever. Absolutely, no, I look forward to that, and it's going to be a great day. It's going to be great for the city. It's going to be great for. The six and for Canada Sports Arena. So if you're in the Absolutely. city of Toronto, definitely make a date for the 29th of January, 2022. Promises to be a great year for women's hockey. Now, Mark, we've talked a lot about your coaching, but not everyone knows that you're also an executive. Or you have ex- executive experience. Not just talking about your elite program that you run all year round, but also you've had experience as a GM. Tell us about that. I was coaching in uh, junior and minor hockey. And then uh, one of the owners of the Toronto Patriots contacted me and they had a GM vacancy. Uh, they fired somebody and asked if I'd be interested in doing the GM role because I was coaching uh, midget AAA, I believe, in Richmond Hill. And, you know, they kind of told me the timeline of, you know, how much time's involved being a GM and that you could still do your coaching job that you committed to. And I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. And I started and fell in love with the admin part and, and getting to know the commissioner and assistant commissioner of the league and other GMs and, you know, start learning how to build a team behind the scenes, you know, adding players, deleting players, making trades, and then uh, eventually brought in my own coaching staff and a good friend of mine, John Dean. Um, he's now up in Sault Ste. Marie coaching uh, his third year with the OHL Greyhounds and just learning what it took to build a championship team. You know, you're missing a couple of pieces, whether it's an offensive defenseman or a 20-year-old goaltender or whatever. So, I mean, we worked hard together. You've got to know the league inside and out. You've got to know the players. You've got to know what your team needs. you got to bring players that will fit into your philosophy and be good teammates and stuff. So the year that I won GM of the year, executive of the year, John Dean also won head coach of the year. And we had together built a dream team and we came just, just short in game seven of the championship against Georgetown. But, uh, I loved being a part of in junior A, it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of min stuff, which I wasn't a big fan of, but it, it, it's part and parcel with the, uh, with the title, but the, uh, actually building a team, what it takes to put on a championship team was, was a great experience for me. And, you know, it's uh, it's 24-7 for sure, being a head coach and a general manager, um, which I was 
three years after for the next three years after I won that because John went up to the OHL. So I took over his role as head coach and stayed on with the GM role. It was a lot, sacrificed a lot. My family, my wife and son supported me and, and whatnot, but it was, uh, it's a great learning experience for anybody that loves hockey and is passionate about hockey for sure. And could you see yourself taking up that role again in the future? Uh, you know what, if it, if it presented itself, I would definitely entertain it. You know, it, it's, uh, I don't know the league well enough yet. I mean, for other, for the American teams, I mean, I'm watching game tape every day, starting to learn them and whatnot, but uh, it's something that I would certainly, I mean, I'm, I'm all in right now with the women's program. I love it. I love the league. I love the direction it's going in. So if I got an opportunity to do that down the road, I would, I would certainly entertain that for sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, on a sort of unrelated thing, but related, it's, the Toronto Six are the only team in Canada and the PHF, so you have to cross the border constantly. Uh, right now, with the COVID situation, how difficult has that been? It's tough. Our last weekend, I mean, uh, I said to Angela actually yesterday, I believe the team that can handle mentally and physically handle the road trips is a team that's going to succeed at the end of the season. We're fortunate at Canlan to, to get whatever times we want. So, I mean, when teams come into town like uh, the Riveters this weekend, we play Saturday at 2 and Sunday at 2. Mm-hmm. This past weekend in Boston, because of COVID, because of lack of pilots, lack of flights available, we had a direct flight at one point from Toronto to Boston. It got canceled. So we actually had to go Toronto to Philadelphia, Philadelphia to Boston. You know, so we didn't get in Friday night till about 10 o'clock. We played Saturday at 7. And then quick turnaround, we played Sunday at 1. So I knew the girls were exhausted. I knew Sunday was going to be a challenge, especially, you know, Saturday was a longer game with overtime and shootout. That's right. It was a fantastic hockey game for both teams. But Sunday we were gassed. I mean, you, you get your post-game meal, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then they're going to bed and you get your pre-game meal, breakfast at nine in the morning. And it's just, it, it's a lot on these girls, right? Everybody's wired differently, but it's a lot. So that quick turnaround, 7 p.m., 1 p.m. games, it's hard. And then... Unfortunately, <laughs> our itinerary on coming home Sunday, we left Boston around 4.30, got to the airport, and because of no direct flights again, we flew to Charlotte, uh, had about an hour layover, and then Charlotte to Toronto, and there was a delay because of the potential weather, so we didn't get home till 2.30 in the morning. Oh, man. So I know t- we had yesterday off. I know tonight's practice will probably be some some tired legs and some heavy heads and whatnot. So it's tough. It's tough with the travel. You know, and then Minnesota, apparently we don't have direct flights again in two weeks. So that part is tough for everybody. But like I said, it's just availability for ice. I mean, when we go to Minnesota, I think we play at 7 p.m. Saturday and noon on Sunday. So again, that's going to be a really, really tough second game for sure. But we got to fight through it. We got to we got to do whatever we can to to compete and and uh, but we're trying to help the girls conditioning wise to to get to where they need to be when they've got the travel and stuff. That's obviously going to play a huge role. And I'd like to say, fortunately, Nee and I didn't see the Sunday game because we were at the the Argos Ticats game in Toronto, watching the Argos collapse in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I I figured that game was going to be tough. Oh. Just because of how how tough a game it was on Saturday, that come Sunday being away, it was going to be a rough one for you guys, and that's how it turned out to be. We have, yeah, we actually had a great first period. We were losing one nothing at the end of it, but we outchanced them. You know, played them their goaltender Burt come up real big with some great saves, but we were right there. But then the uh, 
the wheels fell off and we had nothing left in the second and third period. And again, um, you know, I don't blame the girls. It's a tough road trip, but uh, you know, we've got to find ways to, uh, to be able to control our energy and, uh, find a way to compete on the Sundays because it's not, uh, you know, it's not going to change. It is what it is. So we've got to, we've got to find a way to battle through it. So a couple of questions for you about the team in particular. I mean, you can, you can give me the answer. You can say political on this one, but I got my opinions just as a, a viewer, as a fan of it, but who's the fastest skater on the team? Um, Michaela Cava. Okay. All right. So we're in agreement on that one. And who's got the hardest shot in the team? Hmm. That's a good one. There's a couple, you know, um, uh, on any given day, I, I'm going to say there's four of them. There's uh, Grant Mentis, Cava, Cheyenne D'Arcangelo, and Emma Woods. They all, they all rip the puck and it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's, I guess one thing that I noticed, Coach, is that this is a very fast-paced team, and you really prioritize the pace, and also, for lack of a better term, I guess, keeping the the final two-thirds clean, if you will. Is that by design, or is that based on how the, the player roster is set up? Well, my philosophy as a coach and our philosophy as a team that everybody's bought into is we worry about the Toronto Six more so than we worry about the other team and what the other team's doing. We have certain rules when we're playing without the puck, where we need to go, where we need to be, where we need to support each other. So I worry more when we don't have the puck because when we have it, obviously, as you guys have seen, we're pretty dynamic. We've got some great offense. We've got some, you know, really good defensemen that can join the rush. So for me, honestly, we do the right things away from the puck and don't turn pucks over. We, uh, we're tough to beat. We've had, uh, we've had a couple of great second periods. Obviously, the first game and and both games against Connecticut, we scored four four goals in the first game in the second period, and we got all three of our goals in the second period in the second game. So, it takes us a bit to find our legs and find our rhythm. But once we get going, you know, we're pretty dynamic. But uh, like I said, we worry more about what we need to do as opposed to what the other team's doing. For sure, and I guess the team has had that winning mentality come from season six going into season seven. It is a bit of a long season. You mentioned the challenge of back-to-backs, but you must be pretty happy with the way things have gone, especially integrating the new players so far. Absolutely. I mean, these girls, like I said, they're very, very highly educated, very mature, and they're very, very close already for being, you know, a lot of new additions on the team. They're a very, very close team. There's a lot of chemistry in the dressing room off the ice, which obviously entails onto the ice. I mean, Sunday's game is Sunday's game. The wheels fell off. And, you know, we've got to find a way to, like I said, to, to deal with that and get better with it. But um, we've only lost one game in regulation. We lead the league in power play and penalty kill. Yeah. So there's so many positives. I actually sent a message out to the team yesterday, you know, to say, listen, you know, we obviously didn't get the result we wanted this weekend, but we got to stay positive and get back at it and get ready for the Riveters this weekend and stay positive with each other because we've only lost one out of five and uh, we we lead the league in special teams, which I take a lot of pride in. So I'm happy with uh, with where we are. We weren't going to go 20 and 0, so <laughs> we were going to lose. And I'm glad we did when we did and, and we'll move, we'll learn from it and move on here. There we go. Now, I've made the comparison of the PHF season is more closely aligned to an NFL season because of the number of games and the importance placed on each game. I mean, when you're an NFL coach, you generally break the season up into quarters and you're trying to see how can you do per quarter the number of games. Do you do that with the PHF? Are are you where you kind of want to be as far as your record goes? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, I uh, just getting to know all the teams and, and going on, you know, advice and, and uh, stuff from players that have been in the league and Digit and others. Um, so we're five games in, you know, the first quarter of the season. Yep. And uh, we've only lost one game of regulation. We only given up seven goals in the first four games, which is outstanding. So, you know, the wheels are going to fall off eventually at one point and you're going to get fatigued. And that's what happened on Sunday and give Boston credit. They come out and we were still undefeated in, in regulation. So they obviously wanted to do what they did to us. But uh, five games in, we've only lost one game regulation. We lead the league in certain certain uh, categories. So, you know, I'm I'm more than happy with where we are right now. We just got to try and build off and develop and get a little better for the next quarter. Looking ahead, is there anywhere in the season, like a particular stretch of games that you think could be particularly tough? I, I think this trip right now, this uh, we got three in a row, right? Two are on the road. We have Boston. Now we got the Riveters coming in who are a very good team. And then we go to Minnesota, so we don't get a break. I, and, and it's, you know, close to Christmas and there's distractions and everything else. So yeah. when I looked at the schedule, I felt that this three weeks that we're in the middle of right now is our toughest stretch because um, this second half, we have more home games then road and we don't go back to back on the road or anything like that. So this is a stretch that we've got to, we've got to find a way now to, to have a successful home weekend and then, you know, go to Minnesota and at least get a split, but hopefully uh, win both. But this is, this is definitely our toughest stretch in my opinion. Okay. So everyone's got to need to get out there and support the team for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. So yeah, once again, if you're in the GTA, make sure you get on down to Canlan Ice Sports Arena up at uh, York and watch a game because honestly, it's it's a good day out. It's good family atmosphere. The food and drink is <laughs> very reasonably priced and there's great hockey to be watched. The, some of the best players in the world. So there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. Make sure you are locked into the Toronto Six if you're listening. Mark, it's been a pleasure to have you on. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.